Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of The Mentor. One of the reasons I tell people to get into business is by finding a problem and having a really good idea about how to fix it. This week's guest did exactly that. He came up with a solution to a well-known problem. Alex Hausman is lactose intolerant and came up with an idea for a dairy-free ice cream company when his girlfriend made him jealous eating premium ice cream in front of him. That would make anyone jealous. So the idea of Over the Moo, no end, just Over the Moo was born. We're going to talk about their business model, their distribution model that's getting into Woolworths and IGA and Foodworks and their future plans in the growing of the specialty food market. So let's get into it. Alex Hausman, welcome to The Mentor. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Um, now, I had a taste of your Over the Moo. I've got the, what have I got here? The vanilla bean missing you. I don't know what that part is, but um, <laughs> I, I tried that. I really got the vanilla taste. It, it's nice and sweet. No, I'm not overly sweet. Glad it's to just hear. The texture, everything, it just feels like ice cream to me. I'm not a big ice cream eater, um, but nonetheless, it, it worked for me. I can imagine kids would love it. Um, and adults with that matter too. Uh, so, okay, we got a lot of people listening to this show and uh, a lot of people got all these great ideas and a lot, of, a lot of great ideas come out of problems. So give me the light bulb moment. What, what happened? So, Mark, like any Aussie kid, I grew up eating ice cream at any opportunity that my parents would give me. Um, but as I got into my teens and early 20s, uh, it just wasn't working for me. Um, whenever I would eat ice cream, I'd feel pretty terrible uh, because uh, as it turns out, I'm lactose intolerant. And um, I suppose the light bulb moment itself, uh, it was it was a Monday night. We, I was watching Game of Thrones with my girlfriend. Uh, we were sitting on the couch and she was digging into a tub of Ben and Jerry's or Connoisseur or something like that, having the time of a life. I Filthy. <laughs> on the, I, on the other hand, uh, was left out. Uh, had, I had nothing. Uh, because of my lactose intolerance, and so so you just don't eat it at all. You, you don't need ice cream at all as a result, or lactose type. I, I can't. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, just I, it, it affects my stomach. It affects my my head. I feel you know a bit lethargic uh, when I'm lactose. Uh, yeah, when I've had some some lactose or some dairy, um, and yeah. So on on this particular Monday night, uh, I you know, I really, uh, the light bulbs uh, switched on and I said to myself, well, why can't we use a plant-based milk? There are soy milks and almond milks and coconut milks and all these other different types of plant-based milk 
to to make a delicious sit on the couch and eat straight from the tub kind of ice cream. And uh, yeah, uh, I suppose, yeah, there were brands on the market uh, that were providing a dairy-free ice cream at the time, but uh, they were very expensive and none of them were delivering that. I don't want to repeat myself, but they weren't delivering that sit on the couch straight from the tub, eat straight from the tub indulgence that that I was really looking for. Um, So yeah, uh, from there uh, we... Uh, I set up a little sort of workstation in my kitchen and played around with some different types of, of ice cream recipes and, and milks and so on. Settled on something I was pretty happy with and, and then in the end paired up with a manufacturer uh, down in Melbourne and um, we were able to refine the product and and that was really the start of it. That's, that's, that's a common theme of people coming into the show. Um, <clears throat> they They, you know, they... They sit around, as you said, play around like sort of turn their kitchen into a chemist store and they start playing around with um, formulas and then then what they do is they pair up there with manufacturers. One of the things that seems to be the case here in Australia is there seems to be a lot of manufacturers who can actually not only manufacture this for you but actually enhance the outcome as well. So in other words, they know what you're talking about. They help you along the journey. Once Absolutely. you come up with the idea and most of the basic sort of ideas about the formula, they refine it for you and then – all too happy to produce it, of course, because they make money that way. Absolutely. I mean, they they have um, you know a lot of the industry knowledge, a lot of the technical sort of know how about how their machines and their setup might affect these particular ingredients that we use. They themselves have a, a suite of suppliers. No point in me reinventing the wheel. Um, you know, and especially when they've got all these resources behind them. Well, they can manufacture. I mean, they, they have economies of scale, so they can manufacture it cheaper than you'll ever be able to manufacture. Absolutely, yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. And and, they're, and by the way, it's locally made, so that that's a good part of all this. Yeah. The ingredients all local. Uh, no, uh, well, once once Australia starts um, oh, growing coconuts, growing coconuts. Yeah, because uh, what we what I didn't say to. this is a coconut based <laughs> ice cream. It's a coconut yeah. milk based ice cream. Correct. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you have to source a coconut milk from where. Uh, they're coming from the Philippines. The Philippines, right. At the moment, yep. And uh, do you have some sort of um, oversight in terms of the quality of the coconuts or is that, is that sort of left with the, the manufacturer? Do, how do you do? Do you, yeah. do you play a QA role in all this? Uh, well, I mean, I, I don't have a QA background, no. um, um, but I um, we, we're working with – we have a consultant. We've had a consultant for the last well, – since we started and – um, together with the Q, the in-house QA of the manufacturer, again, you know they've already got those all the momentum in that space uh, already. Together, our team and, and their team uh, do do all the the quality assurance. Uh, so who, who, who So you settled on the, the like the secret recipe or the formula? That's your recipe, or is it? Did they? Yep. Who uh, owns the recipe then? Well, it was it was devised and developed really as a partnership, but the with, own, with the manufacturer, with the manufacturer, right. but the ownership of the IP itself sits with me, and that was part of the agreement that right. I had. You mean the IP to produce. Coconut flavored ice cream, uh, coconut milk based ice cream. That's the IP, the IP around the IP, that, or the IP around the actual formula, the recipe, the recipe, yeah, the recipe itself is yours, is mine, Good. and only I can produce that. Okay, great, and uh, and obviously they produce it to you, to you under license or something along those lines, uh, or uh, yeah, 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 okay, great. Yeah. So you've got that, and uh, and and in terms of testing, I mean, let the people listening, I mean, how did you do that? I mean, did you? 
did you do a testing process outside of yourself in a oh, more than a survey one or absolutely i <laughs> um i i had uh it was 168 people in the end over over a series of probably four or five um i called them tasting parties duping my friends and family and and really anyone else i could to come come to my house and and yet yeah, taste a whole variety um and yeah uh I had 168 of those sticky pieces of paper to to filter through, and um, that's really part of the real IP. Um, the being able to refine this product over over time. This part, this process in a larger company costs thousands and thousands of dollars. I did it basically for free using my friends and my my networks, um, and that is, I think part of the, the secret of the, the success so far, being able to deliver that true indulgence and that that really traces back to those to those testing uh, to that those tasting parties that I had. Because I know I think that's an important thing. I I, I want to understand something, Alex. Um your you keep talking about this indulgence and also I think it's got something to do with the packaging, the tub, etc. You keep talking about this. So there's an experience over and above the taste. Over Absolutely. and above the fact that it's lactose free, you're promoting to me something like there's more there's something about the experience of this so it's like you've designed it to sit in front of the telly and watch it absolutely yeah, yeah. so um, so talk talk because that's that's your marketing piece that's your that's your unique proposition apart from the fact that it's going to appeal to a whole lot of people who are lactose intolerant or even people who aren't lactose intolerant they might want to eat it too um tell me about that experience piece you know how, how'd you work that through why? Why that? Why that? Why? 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 Well, the, yeah, I, I suppose the, the way I the way I see ice cream is is in as something to uh, I suppose uh, emotionally lean on maybe uh, you know and without getting too airy fairy it, I think food uh, has the capacity to fill fill either a utilitarian function where it's just you know fuel for your body and to keep you going yeah like a protein shake exactly yep. yeah. The other function of food is this source of happiness and joy and mm. pleasure, and uh, that's that's really my that's my relationship to food in general. I got to say, but uh, and that's especially what over the moo and the role that over the moo I, I I intend over the moo to play in uh, for our customers, and so we we get messages pretty regularly through you know the website and Facebook, and you know there'll be. Yeah, so and so from Castlemaine, she broke up with a with a boyfriend, and she's writing in to say thank you. She hasn't been able to eat ice cream for ten years because she's vegan or she's lactose intolerant or whatever, and um, she's she's so grateful that she can have a Friday night in with her mates and. Uh, they can all share a tub of ice cream. And is that tub the size of the tub? That's pretty big. That's, uh, I don't know how many grams, but the size of the tub is quite big. Oh, it's 500 mils. So is that designed for one person or is it designed for two people? <laughs> well, look, it depends on the person, Mark. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I, I myself have gotten through a tub by myself, but yeah. um, you know, I'll share one with my but girlfriend. But the game is you, 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 you spoon it out of the tub on, on your own and then um, and put it back in the freezer, I suppose. It, yeah, you can do, if yeah. You can't, if you can't eat all, I mean... If For you, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. absolutely. Okay, very good. So, I mean, I, and I sort of... So, now I get the idea, the whole idea of the product. Um, you're, you manufacture it, um, using your manufacturers to, to make the product so that it's made the same every time. I mean, that's pretty important. Consistency is very important. 
um, and I presume you've got all the QA things, the quality assurance processes in place, and no doubt you'll improve on those and build on those as you get more you know, more volume through, more revenue, and you'll start to be able to afford to build your own team. But, of course, you've got to be able to market this sort of stuff. So, obviously, what you have seems to me, I mean, you've told me that earlier on that um, you, this is um, being distributed through Woolworths, but that's also your marketing plan because you're buying their shelf space. Woolworths advertisers themselves – People Absolutely. go into Woolworths. Um, you got to, and then when they're looking around, I guess this is in the ice cream section, or it is. Yeah, it's in the ice cream section. Um, and when it, you, I go to the ice cream section, I'll see this, and um, you know, hopefully, um, it sort of gets uh, sort of gets my attention. I go over the moo, chock chock. Who's there? So, I mean, that's important. That stuff. That's on the. That's by the way. That's on the front of your packaging for the chocolate one. <laughs> um, how important, how has that worked? I mean, how important is this to draw people's attention on the shelves of worse when there's, you know, I don't know, another hundred products in the in the shelf? Absolutely. There are, I don't know exactly, but yeah, obviously millions of people who walk through a Woolworths every, every day um, across the country. Um, I suppose, yeah, there are, there's no better form of advertising or brand building or anything that you could ever spend money on than having amazing packaging sitting on a shelf. So, yeah. The, uh, Especially Woolworths shelf. Abs- oh, absolutely, yeah. Because, I mean, Woolworths do your advertising for you. They, they get people into the store. They're absolutely. not advertising your, your product, but they get people into the store. Then it's up to your product to jump out of that, out of the, the, the glass window to everybody walks past or who's actually looking into that glass shelf. Absolutely, is, yeah. Is that, is that your process? Is that your thinking? Uh, well, I, I think the, there are multifacets to it. Um, Tell me about it. Uh, so, if, I mean, just for example, I as a lactose intolerant person, I might have been going into a Woolworths store, but for years I didn't even go down that part. I didn't even go down the ice cream aisle. It made me too sad. I, yeah, because I couldn't buy anything, obviously. Um, so I think... You know, and that that was really one of the big bottlenecks to the business. We knew that there were people out there who wanted this product. They just had conditioned themselves to believe that either it tasted terrible or it just didn't exist. And they weren't walking down that part of the part of the aisle or that part of the supermarket. So how'd you get to them? So our major platform is really digital, just through social media, through um, you know, Google searches and, and Instagram. Do people Google search uh, dairy-free ice cream? They? They, yeah, they yeah. do. Okay. Uh, yeah, to the tune of a, of a few thousand a week yeah. in, in okay. Australia. Yeah, um, and we are the top hit for right. that now, which is yeah another yeah real feather in our cap. I mean, how'd you do that? Yeah, you, it's, I suppose, a process of, of they call it search engine optimization. Yeah, you explain and, it. How would you do it? Um, so just uh, the way we link in all of, and we, uh, I mean, I, yeah, to be honest, I'm, I'm not that involved in the technical side of it. But, but did, did you use somebody to do this for you, though? Uh, your optimization. Well, my my first ever employee was um, a marketing manager yep. um, to really take the brand and make it her own. Um, and she she's been absolutely magnificent and and totally uh, she's totally responsible for many of these these huge marketing milestones that we've had. Um, but I I mean I know just yeah from a from a search engine engine optimization aspect there are so many little technical tricks you can do mm-hmm. like you you name every single uh, image file in a certain way to um, so that they will all pop up in your search. Mm-hmm. Or um, alternatively, uh, yeah, you 
you draw a lot of links to other websites. Uh, that'll uh, that'll boost your search ranking. If you're regularly updating the website, that again will um, boost boost your ranking. These they're the basics. So you use so you use all the tricks, all the search engine optimization tricks <laughs> yeah. and games sure. to get your product at the top of the list when people actually Google in dairy-free ice cream or whatever the exactly. case is. Exactly, yep. Okay, so, and do you use um, influencers on Instagram? Yeah, we've been using <clears throat> using them really since the start. Um, Who have you I, used? Do you mind me asking? Uh, in the early phase, there were a lot of um, yeah, food, foodies and, and especially within the vegan community, they're very, they're very tight-knit and very um, clued in uh, to yeah, what, what the new products are. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I won't name any specifically, but um, many of them were very, very supportive. They just loved, the, they genuinely loved and the How'd you product. find them? Oh, you, you just reach out through the platform that they're on. Right. Uh, and would you say, would you, how much is it going to cost me for you to be reading <laughs> some of my... We, we had a policy of not paying for a single post for, really? for quite a while. Yeah, and, we, and to this day, we still really avoid it. For me, the priority has always been on the quality of engagement rather than the volume of the the audience. So having that genuine attraction of whichever influencer and the genuine appreciation of the product, that that in subtle ways and authentic ways comes through on whatever content they produce about us. And that in itself, I think, drives genuine engagement. And, and that, I think, is really the foundation of the brand. I think there are lots of alternative ways of building a brand with influencers where you do spend a lot of money but i think often the cost the return on investment is is questionable um and i mean i'll without sort of uh sharing too much we did we did um go with an agency and and go down this path and they were pushing us into influencers where there were large many thousands of followers but it wasn't our audience it wasn't an authentic it wasn't authentic content and it didn't have really a tangible uplift on sales. Yeah, there's no point going to an influencer has got a million people following them and, but most of the people not even yeah, like they're, tolerant. Yeah. They're going to go and buy, I don't know, whatever, some other ice cream brand, whatever the first one they see. Absolutely, yeah. And they might not be going for the luxury item. Um, they, they might not be going for – that. this looks to me to be – looks, the packaging anyway, looks luxurious to me. Um Maybe Good to hear. <laughs> yeah, it, well, it does compared to some of the other, you know, the more you know, Cadbury's or what I'm not of Cadbury's, course, whatever. Of the, I don't even know the other bloody brands. Are. <laughs> I don't buy ice cream, but but point being is, um, all the stuff you normally see, you know, dairy farmers or whatever it is, hmm. they don't look luxury to me because they're big tubs. They look like something you buy for a family of ten kids, and you know, they just you know give them a couple of scoops every night just to keep everyone happy when you're on at Bato Bay and Christmas time holidays. Yeah. Um, so, and that, and it looks like it's priced that way. Um, this looks more luxurious. This looks like it's meant for, you know, couples or as you said, individuals who want to spoil themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. Watching Netflix. Yeah. I, I suppose it's a stand or something. <laughs> exactly. that, well, that's the territory. That's where it seems to go to me. That's just the gut <laughs> feeling I got from looking at it. Um, and obviously for, and, and by the way, it doesn't have to be lactose intolerant people. Um, coconut milk's good for you. Um, so you know, and not just vegans either. It Absolutely. can be anybody. I mean, I, I would have that if I felt like ice cream. I wouldn't see any difference between me having that or a dairy-based one. It's more the taste and oh, it's, and it's yeah. the event. So, um, 
the fact that it's uh, you know free of dairy, that's great. But you know, I'd I'd still buy that anyway if if I was going to have it. You know, mm. and and we literally say on the tub, by the way, it's dairy free. Yeah. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not the basis of it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you want people to buy it because it's. You want to say, come buy some coconut ice, coconut milk ice cream. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. cool. It's exotic. You know, <laughs> yeah. people might think that. You know, right now, maybe if not in the Philippines, because they probably don't have too many cows there. They got more coconuts. Yep. <laughs> Here we got more cows and coconuts. So uh, um, it'd be, be great if the if we had enough coconuts in Australia to supply your coconut milk, because then you could sort of say it's an Australian based product. Oh, big time! Yeah, absolutely. But we don't really have coconuts here, do we? Is that right? <laughs> No, uh, there's very there are a few small farms, yeah. and uh, you know I've sort of done a little bit of research on that. But yeah, there's there's basically nothing that's really operating at the scale, uh, and at really to make it a competitive product, yeah, uh, from a price perspective. At the end of the day, yeah. Okay, well, that, well um, let me. Uh, I got to ask you this question, like, uh, I don't know, how old are you? I'm 29. Okay, you're a kid. So how long have you been in this for? <laughs> uh, it's now it's, well, uh, our third year. Third year. So you stuck to this when you're 26 or something like that, around that territory. Um, how'd you support it? I mean, how'd you build all this? How, how'd you pay yourself a wage? How'd you experiment on this and, you know, spend money, et cetera? How'd you do this? How'd you fund all this? Because that's, that's what everybody's going to be asking. Oh, how do you do this? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, no. And and that's, uh, yeah, without without the support that I've had and I suppose without the plan that I've had, none of this would have happened. Uh, the The initial phase was all uh, obviously self-funded. Um, I had, it was... Um, Did you have a job? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So you used to do this at night or something? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, for, yeah, for the first, um, would have been six plus months it was uh, this was uh, my moonlighting project um yeah developing developing stuff in the background you know taking phone calls out the front of my old job um but yeah i suppose i prior to that i, I was working in in food marketing because i want to ask you that because you know a lot of people listening and they think so oh, yeah, he's probably got a phd in biopharmacology or something like that <laughs> um just like let everybody know what were you doing like what what's your experience what was your job so that you know everybody knows that look you don't have to have a phd in something like this you can just have a, a regular job perhaps and but have a great idea and have the the passion to go and develop it T- tell us about that Sure. Well, uh, yeah. So I, the job that I had immediately before this was um, I, I was yeah I was uh, working in food marketing. So mm-hmm. uh, it was a big distributor. Uh, so I was already working with brands in Woolworths and Coles yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and the independent. So you had some idea. You had some skills and understanding about how to market food-based yep. products yep. through the big distributors. Yep. And how to how to get it in how to get a product onto the shelves of Woolies or Coles hypothetically and and yeah and and then market it to um to the to a community. Right. So that I suppose there was that there um on the side of that I was also working as a copywriter so just writing content, editing cookbooks and all that kind of stuff and that that you know, as itself, uh, really came as a very handy, handy instrument uh, when uh, writing, writing up my own website or writing all this stuff for social media. Um, so that that was that was one side of the business. So you had some skills around the marketing piece before, and the distribution. Yep. Yeah, and then before that, I, I had a brief stint in uh, management consulting. Uh, it wasn't really to my taste. Culturally, I suppose, um, and yeah, wanted something a little bit more fun. So, and that was what led me into marketing. And then, really, before that, it was just um, me and working in kitchens and working. You know, uh, I've, I, I suppose 
as a as a general career trajectory, I've always been in food all, and always will be. And even then, before that, my you know the fam I I suppose I come from a family business and have had a lot of inspiration from my family and and they themselves have been running a food business for the last forty years. So. Uh, it's really in the blood, I think, uh, for me, and um, something that I've been living and breathing. And uh, you know, even as a, as a baby, I'd be sitting in a cot in you know mum's office, uh, you know, surrounded by boxes of food. So, yeah, it's um, it's definitely part of of uh, yeah who I am and and where I'm going for sure. Okay, um, well, uh, I'm going to take. I actually want to just explore a little bit more. We're going to go to the break because we have sponsors and we have to talk to our sponsors. They're, pro- they're probably food sponsors or money sponsors or something like that. So we're going to go to the break. And when I come back, I'm going to actually explore this a little bit more. And then I want to talk about your future plans for the business. Okay, we're back after the break. And I want to talk to Alex Hasper now about um, Over the Moo and that we've talked, I mean, not so much the product, but not even the inspiration, but sort of what is it? that gets stamped on someone's DNA to become, let's call it a foodie who's actually producing their own product and marketing their own product and actually having a crack around it. So you said, Alex, before the break that, um, you know, as a child, you know, you, you sort of were working with your, your mum and watching her involved in the food business. I actually want to get a bit more of the blueprint around your emotion and food. I mean, how does that have an influence on someone like you today? I mean, Take me Absolutely. back. I mean, what are your memories of it? It's actually, what are your memories of as a well, kid? I suppose. Um, What's your background? Like, what, do you, what, what are your parents? Where do they come so, from? Well, yeah, that, that's what I was coming to actually. Um, so my, my dad's uh, Sydney Sydney boy. Mm-hmm. Um, grew up grew up out uh, in Penrith actually, and mum's mm-hmm. um, from Hong Kong, mm-hmm. and they met at uni. Uh, but I suppose that. Um, so your mum's Chinese. Yeah, from Hong Kong. Yeah, like, Chinese born, from Hong Kong. born in Hong Kong. Yep, but, yep. but Chinese. Of course, yeah. Chinese background, right? Absolutely. And your dad's an Aussie from uh, yeah, Penrith. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, and so, uh, I suppose, yeah, the the connection to food really, I think, largely comes from mum's side. Yeah. Um, so, and I think this really goes for a lot of lot of ethnic communities. Doesn't matter whether you're Chinese or Greek or or wherever, but you know, when you've left left your home country, the way for you to feel your, your sense of identity is to gather around food and, you know... Family food, the whole thing. Absolutely, yeah. And so... And by know, the way, it's interesting, a lot of Asians are lactose intolerant. Absolutely, yeah. To the tune of 98%. Mm, there so you it's, go. it's huge. So that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I... Obviously inherited that part from mum yep. alongside many other wonderful things. So it definitely <laughs> is in your blood, not only food, but lactose intolerance <laughs> in your blood too. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I suppose to come back to the family side, you know, my some of my earliest memories are sitting at these feasts and there'd be, you know, noodles and whatever, just, you know, yum cha and, and all those things on a very regular basis. And, um, you know, it, it was always feel full of laughter and joy and happiness. And, and, that, and that's yeah. interesting because... You've zeroed in on, on something that is like that: laughter, joy, happiness, luxury. Spoil myself, or you know, or spoil yourself with a tub of you know something that is sweet and tastes. In the case of the one I have in my hand, like vanilla, but it's also a part of enjoying that someone else's company as well. Like you're, you know, like when you eat something like this and you're watching Netflix or whatever it is. 
um, and you're with somebody else, you're actually it's the whole combined thing is an emotional experience, a big experience. Absolutely. And so it's it's funny how you know you might not have a PhD in biomechanics or biopharmacology, whatever it is, but you have a PhD in emotion that surrounds food. Absolutely. And you've been studying it since you were a child. Yep, absolutely. And, and that, that's really the mission behind, you know, at, the, at the core of this. We want, I want everyone else to have the same joy and, and pleasure from, from this product that, that, I, that I get myself. Okay, so it's not just a product or a transaction here. You know, you recognize at 29, even younger than that when you started, but you recognized um, the importance of the emotion around the product and of course, what you're trying to do is develop a message around that as well. Absolutely, yeah. Yep. Okay, that's very interesting. And uh, I, and I sort of get the whole package now. I, I sort of because you know the the Chinese Asians generally, they do sit around in groups, and like the Greeks do too, and Italians, a lot of other nationalities do. But they sit around in groups, and they uh, you know they come to a foreign country. So one of the ways they reassure themselves of their sense of belonging is to have their own there and eat food because that's the best outcome absolutely fooding food with your friends or your family is like the cement for keeping you together and, absolutely and that's, yep. that's, that's, this is a, and and clearly your girlfriend when she was eating um her tub of ice cream <laughs> was not doing that with you on that particular <laughs> night many many years ago well, three not, years ago not for lack of trying i mean there were there just weren't options at yeah, the time. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 You know, so so you thought you'd teach her a lesson and show it how it's done you say and does she eat this yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah. she, yeah. she 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 ditched her normal ice cream and she's eating this one. Well, it would be it, it, same girlfriend. You still got the same girlfriend? Well, uh, to be honest, I have a different girlfriend. A different, now. Okay. <laughs> well, at least you gave her the experience of this anyway. <laughs> but like, so okay, so I know because I think that if you're people listening to this, I mean, I think it's important if um, not only do you have skills around this area, but have a look where, where your skills come from. Do you actually have a belief in what it is you're doing and what is that thing you're doing? What is the belief and where does it? Where are its roots? In your case, the most powerful roots um, are family-based. Um, something's actually stamped on your DNA. They're, they're the Absolutely. most powerful roots. That'll really drive the success of the product. And I'm not going to talk too much about getting it on the shelves um, because that's getting on the shelves of Woolworths, that is a... That's a hard thing to do. I guess I better talk about it. I mean, because it is important. What was it that you said to Woolworths that convinced them that they should put this on the shelves when there's already a whole stack of other stuff, other ice creams? What was it? What was your pitch? Well, it, there were two sides to it. Um, so maybe just to turn the clock back, you know, six, eight months before that meeting with the buyer, I'd been, I'd loaded up a camping freezer in the back of my VW camper van and had driven probably 30,000 kilometers between Melbourne, Sydney, Canberra, selling into individual IGAs, food works, other health food stores. Well, can they buy stuff like they can? Yeah, just direct, yep, yep. They can, right, and, okay. Yep, and, and um, <clears throat> you know, just, yeah, pounding the pavement, knocking on doors, and yeah, with a ton of rejection. But over that eight months, I'd racked up over 100 independent supermarkets stocking my product. And so, going into that meeting, I, I had data. I could prove that this concept worked. I proved that there was already traction. And whether it was him or another supermarket, this category was going somewhere. Um, and so, 
Part of it was that. The other part of it was... Um, so you did a proof of concept and you then, before you went to Woolworths, you took your proof of concept. Um, yeah, absolutely. You yeah. built it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So both proof of the, t- the taste and, and I, I um, you know, I mentioned the, the five rounds of, t- of tasting panels there too, but also proving it commercially. It can be a delicious product and there are many delicious products out there, but commercially they just don't stack up. They haven't been able to get the distribution, the brand isn't right or something. And Price. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and um, and it just you know there are, I suppose there are lots of very expensive, very indulgent products out there, but they just don't belong in a mainstream supermarket. And I think um, and so I suppose yeah, I mean there's a real credit to to the buyer who who uh, accepted us initially. He, what was your pitch? Well, I I I mean I, I mentioned that 98 percent of people with an Asian background are lactose intolerant. Yep. They're the most underrepresented in the ice cream category. I then also talked about the growth of soy milk. So, so soy milk is being uh, purchased in Australia to the tune of roughly $150 million a year. Um, and then if you compare that to total, total uh, sort of dairy milk, uh, Australians are spending roughly one in ten of dairy free to dairy um so i could only well in the pitch i extrapolated that to the dairy to to ice cream if people in you know traditional milk are buying one to ten dairy to non-dairy they should be doing the same when it comes to ice cream but naturally there was um you know, basically zero brands or very little representation of a dairy. So, no such thing. Is there soy milk ice cream? I don't know. There is a soy milk ice cream. It tastes like cardboard. Right. Um, That's not good. Yeah, and it was not. It's not ice cream. <laughs> and, and, I mean, I'll be very honest, they're bad for business. People have probably tried it if they're lactose intolerant. They realize how, that it doesn't taste very good and then they avoid buying anything yeah, with the dairy-free stamp. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and so, yeah, that's been one of the challenges and the bottlenecks for us. So they copped that. They, they said, yep, we've got it, Alex. We like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. And then I suppose on off the back of that, we, we had to really invest a lot of money into this. So in the initial phase, we, they gave us 100 stores. I had to deliver direct into each individual store. So consider... Uh, at times, I'd be delivering maybe $60 worth of stock. It cost me $20 to deliver the product itself. And then obviously the cost of the product itself at admin, I was losing money on, mm. on every delivery. And you, do, you did it yourself? No, no, I, I'm, that was contracted out like right. many other things in the business. Yep. I got a, a <clears throat> delivery uh, contractor to do that uh, across every city. So a lot of admin, it was a bit of a nightmare, but nonetheless, it was... A, it was all that I had to do to prove to, to Woolworths that this was a product with a future. So I was investing in the category, investing in the brand, obviously my own brand, um, and then investing in their trust right. and their confidence in my brand. So then when it came to you know a year later, we had one year of performance. It was traveling yeah. pretty well. Um, and that was when they really tapped me on the shoulder, put their weight behind it, and we got some real volume. That was when I started to deliver, you know, entire pallets, ten dollar deliver, uh, ten thousand. Two Woolworths themselves, yeah, and they, two, Then they would distribute. Exactly, exactly. <clears throat> and that's where the economies of scale came in. Yeah. And yeah, my delivery costs just dropped, you know, down to about 
10% of what they used to be. Because yeah, so, you're only delivering to one place. Exactly. Yeah, yep. or, or a couple of places, yep. perhaps. Yep. Perhaps each, each state. One in each state. One exactly. Each state, yeah. yep. So, yeah, so you weren't delivering to 100 places, delivering to one place. And what you were delivering to one place was enough for 500 stores. Exactly. Or, or however many stores yep. in the particular state. Yep. Yeah. So that, that's where you get your economies. But you had to go through that period of proving the business model. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then how did you price it? I mean, in terms of pricing your product, where's it priced? Is it priced luxury or midstream? Yeah, or? we're, we're um, up the premium end. Um, so I, my, well, the way I see it, if I was eating normal ice cream, if I could, if I could eat normal ice cream, I'd probably be buying a Ben and Jerry's or a Maggie beer or a connoisseur or something in that premium right. end of the town. And so, partly because of the way it, it's the cost is, um, but yeah, we're looking at ten dollars a tub, so we're right at par with a Maggie beer product. And Similar volume, amount of ice cream per tub. Absolutely, yeah, 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 identical, identical size right. and format of of the tub. And then, um, and and this is maybe a, t- a technical detail about ice cream. Any good ice cream needs to have roughly fifteen. Also, percent fat. When it comes to ice cream, fat equals flavor, mm. um, and it also equals cost. Mm. And so, um, we we pegged and we used them as a benchmark for when we were devising our own our own product, and we have very similar um, percentage of fat. And is that that's uh, coconut oil? Yeah, coconut fat. Coconut, exactly. coconut oil. Ra- yeah, rather oil, than oil, yeah. rather than butter fat. Or, <coughs> yeah, yeah, or or animal dairy. fat. Yeah, yeah okay, exactly. very interesting. Fifteen uh, percent. That's interesting. Yeah, because you're right. I mean, obviously, everything. The, the, the more fat and the more salt and or sugar, the better everything tastes. Unfortunately, in this world, um, absolutely, <laughs> can't get away from that. But uh, the other things you spoil yourself with every now and then. So it's not as if people are going to live on a diet of this sort of stuff. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I've always advocated uh, any balanced lifestyle needs indulgence. Yeah. yeah uh, if you're yeah. not having at least a little bit of an indulgence, well, the more you deny yourself, the more you need to indulge yourself. Exactly. Pretty much. <laughs> you know, like uh, or con yourself and con con yourself into the indulgence. No, and that's sort of that that whole uh, understanding the psyche of everybody is sort of very important um, as to what you're selling them, how it's packaged, how it's presented, what the message is, what the taste is, 15%, et cetera. Sure. Um, and the pricing too. Um, it can't be overpriced, but sometimes when you, uh, when you price something at a premium, people actually believe they're getting a premium product. That's true. Absolutely. You know, they, they, get, they say, oh, shit, I tend, that must be pretty good. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there, are, there are, I suppose, academics out there have done research on this. They can prove that, you know, and on a on a questionnaire, people say that something tastes better if you just say that it's more expensive. Yeah, no, they I, bel- look, I know, I just, I know it's like the old saying, don't, don't discount a product just off of something free because people don't understand discounts. They don't know, they don't get it. They don't think, oh, hang on, it's a discount to what? Um, what's the benchmark? I'm getting treated here somewhere. There's a con. Now, what's the con? <laughs> so you're better off pricing full and giving like the old free steak knives, you know, like giving the set of steak knives along because they say, I'm getting that for the price plus I'm getting this. Yep. It's better than say, <laughs> I was just going to give you that, I'm not going to give you steak knives, but I'm going to give you a discount on that product. So premium products, they can work very well, particularly if they're not over, you can't over premium, but if you just hit that right number, which is obviously what you're saying, you're hitting the 10 bucks, that works. So, Okay, what are we? How many? How many? Uh, what's in your range? What do you got? So we've got um, our top sellers are caramel, chocolate, and vanilla, uh, as per any other range of ice cream out there. Then um, 
I've got a few flavors which reflect my uh, background, I suppose, um, and they're matcha and pandan and pecan. So, yes, yeah, so slightly more exotic, sort of Asian-focused Asian yeah, yeah, yeah. ones. That sounds cool. Uh, we've got um, two new ones <coughs> which I am not at liberty to share mm-hmm. at the moment. i just got to keep you guessing. Uh, and then we've got a coffee and a mango as well. Already done. Yep, or already out there. Yeah, out yeah. there. Yep. And is it better for you to con- try and build your range or is it better for you wh- – at what point is it better for you to say, okay, got enough of the range, I've got to sell more of what I'm producing as opposed to try and sell, you know, just keep producing exotic stuff because you get economies of scale. Of I guess you can manufacture it much cheaper. It would cost you cheaper if you sold a 1,000 tubs of vanilla, which means your margin's greater, as opposed to selling – um, a thousand, hundred, lots of uh, ten other types of flavors. Exactly, yeah? exactly. Yeah. So where do you where do you work it out? I mean, how, how are you? Pl- or are you just playing around with it at the moment? Sure. Well, uh, yeah. I, I suppose I'm not a big fan of um, you know those uh, sort of general rules, but the eighty twenty rule uh, yep. is that is to- totally applies here. Yeah. Eighty percent of our sales come from three flavors: caramel, chocolate, and vanilla. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. But then why do you need the others? Well, I think the the others um, are absolutely absolutely crit- critical to the range. I think people come to Over the Moo because they want something exotic or gourmet or foodie or indulgent. And while you know, for every five purchases, four of them will be vanilla or chocolate. That fifth one is is often what creates that excitement and what helps position the brand as you know, those things, exotic, yeah. indulgent and exciting. And so having that fifth purchase as a as a rolling exotic one and 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 we really want to keep you know, keep churning out new and exotic. It's and a part of your crazy. marketing plan then. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you're building you're building your brand and your brand message by absolutely. producing cool, unusual stuff like a chili ice cream or etc. Absolutely. Say, yeah. Wow. No one, but ultimately what you're really relying on is selling lots of vanilla, caramel and chocolate. Absolutely. Yep. And I'll share, I'll share a story about this. Uh, the, the Pandan product. Is it um, actually Pan... Do you actually get the Pandan... Yep. We, from the Pandanus yep, tree? Yep, from the Pandanus tree. In, in <clears> fact, <throat> I am not aware of any other pan, like Pandan ice cream like this in Australia. So we've really invented something pretty unique here. And you know, I had to go to Malaysia. I had to you know go to the farm itself and the way and see the whole way it's produced. But um, I brought the Pandan f- product into that pitch, that first ever pitch with Woolworths, not expecting in at the you know with the smallest margin that it would ever get a ranging in any Woolworths store. I brought it in to sell a story. We over the moo is indulgent, exciting, exotic gourmet. And it was it was just a I suppose a prop in that story. It was it was a way to sh- to sell that story, and then okay I suppose surprise surprise like to, or rather to everyone's surprise he actually took it on, and then we had to f- sort of fumble backfill. around, yeah, backfill, <laughs> fumble around and fu- and sort out the supply chain so that we could actually fulfill his orders. Um, and yeah, I, I, that's uh, I suppose yeah part of part of it. Um, it's very good because I mean uh, you're, you're you're sort of playing with everyone's head, but I mean I guess that works. I mean, and if it's and if you sell, still sell twenty percent of your total volume into those categories, it's great. And you got but you got to keep evolving. That's the trick. You got to keep evolving it and uh, keep keeping everyone guessing. Or oh, what's so you want to go back? You want people to go back. So I wonder what the new range is. Absolutely. And you, yep. and do do you capture your market? I mean, in other words, any data? Do you capture data on people? 
a bit uh, hard, I guess. But yeah, we, it, yeah, data is really expensive, and yeah, a business our size, we can't really afford it. We've we've bought some 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 stuff, and we're we're yeah, it's just very sort of crude sales data. And does does Woolworths uh, pump your data your data because they have all the data? Um, into say someone like the Data Republic, where you can actually they can access what they put into Data Republic as to what you're selling. You know, the Data Republic, the big data um, library, the big data um, sort of gatherer. To my knowledge, Woolworths and Coles um, are under license with Nielsen or Aztec or right. IRI, the, the big data companies. And um, as a result, you have if you need sales data, you need to go to those guys. Yeah, can um, you access that? Uh, with to it for a fee, of yeah, course. Yeah, oh, you have to you yeah. pay, right? <laughs> okay, because they're, they're using your data, actually. Right, okay, what are your plans? Tell me what your plans are from here. So I'm sure man, many other food businesses in Australia have come to this, but we've, you know, we've approached Coles. We're with Woolworths. We've got 500 IGAs, other independents. We're actually running out of places to, to approach so the big plans for us are to start diversifying the business uh, in terms of customers and start building building the brand overseas. Um, so, yeah, I suppose where's your market? We, I think, for this brand, it it is predominantly strong in um, in an English speaking country. So we're looking at um, yeah the UK or Canada or, and, and New Zealand closer to home. The product itself. And and the and the benefit of the product, dairy free indulgence, belongs in Asia. So um, I suppose that that's long. It's a longer term view of of the category and and of the brand. Um, and yeah, I, I suppose um, we are looking for a partnership uh, for you know to to access that part of the world. But in the initial term, we're just looking at sort of UK, New Zealand for for ourselves. Yeah. So right right now, is you're you're trying to get your distribution into the UK and and or New Zealand. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So yep. just is that to prove that people other than Australians want your product? Is that or, and that you can manufacture and deliver and do all the logistics? Is that you're trying to prove to the ultimate partner, say someone in China? That you can actually do this in other places is that was that your objective, or is it just to increase your revenues? It's uh, to be honest, at the moment, it's just to increase our revenues. I, I know for a fact that this mark that this product would would sail well in the UK or, or Canada or New right. Zealand. It's just a matter of getting it there and having someone on the ground. Um, I suppose yeah, financing it is is definitely a problem at the moment. Cash flow is always crazy in a business. Yeah, in well, you, don't get, you don't get paid. Uh, you, you spend first and you're paid second. Absolutely, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, term, payment terms are, you know, hard to negotiate with big organisations. Yeah, without sharing too much, it's it's uh, been difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I know it works. It's <laughs> tough. Well, you know, because you've got you to spend all the dough now and yep. uh, you don't get paid up front. You don't um, get paid part. You get paid as stuff sells and, um, and usually you've got to wait period of time so because mm-hmm. that you know they're big organizations so not only are you not only are you, um they using your product but they're using your cash flow to fund themselves so they sell first and they pay later yep that's a good it's a good business model from their point of view. <laughs> but, but at the same time they would say yeah but we're creating all the stores and we're doing all the advertising so we've got a lot of upfront costs as well this is true so, and, yep. and it's really a partnership between distribution and product producer and marketer yeah. which is yep. what you're doing you're marketing and producing 
their their distributing and um and their marketing the distribution points. So they they're getting the the people flow, mm. and your game is to make sure it's on the shelves and it jumps out of the shelf when someone walks past and or someone goes and has a look for it. Absolutely, that's just they're the two games. That's how the partnership works. Yeah, yeah. And if you can't, and if you don't fit into those sort of either one of those categories, there's no point doing a deal with the big distributors because there's no value in it for you. And and I guess I mean I always give everyone an opportunity to ask me a question. Um, what one question would you like to ask me? So mine, it's it's about scaling up. Um, and I suppose, uh, well, you, you might have might have seen that we we were on um, a, a well known investor show on Channel Ten um, uh, earlier in the year. Uh, I didn't see what happened. Well, we we didn't get a deal in the end. Did you present to them? I presented I presented to them, and, yeah, um, and you know, they, they loved the product. Yeah, yeah. And it in the end they weren't they weren't valuing any of the future of the business or the or the the value of the brand they at the time of the filming we hadn't sort of nailed down a Woolworths deal and so they didn't value that in either um, and they weren't i suppose valuing in the 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 gro- the potential growth of the category which is already which is now totally proven we've we've grown 3 times since when we w- were filming and we've done that by bootstrapping and and just like scrimping really hard, and we raised a little bit of debt. Well, thank God you didn't do a deal with them because they would have got you for cheap. Exactly, yeah. And so I, I have no no regrets, I suppose, walk, walking away from a deal. Um, it's good you but, did that. I'm glad you walked away from a deal. People go in there and just accept the deal because they think that's the only thing available. Hmm, yeah. So, I, yeah. I, and I, I suppose this leads on to the question: like, when is the right time? To sell, and I, I know that's a or really find investors. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Only when you need the money. Okay. So, um, if you've got, if you said to me, "Okay, Mike, I'm ready to go to China, um, and mm. um, to to push this through China, I need, you know, I've estimated I need five million dollars. I'm just making numbers up here, um, and uh, I'd say to you, that's the time to go and raise the money." raise that $5 million because that's when investors can see an immediate return or immediate opportunity probably better. Mm-hmm. And as long as the opportunity makes sense, in other words, China's the right market and you can sell them on all the aspects of why that market's right. But up to that point, if you're just managing, if you're just managing, I think it's you, you shouldn't go, you should not go and raise money. People don't like to invest money unless you're going to go and do something new with the dough. Yeah, okay. Uh, so in other words, they get everything you're doing currently for free. Mm-hmm. And the, they're investing in the new the new project, so they got like a, a, a two shots at it. And even if the new thing doesn't work, they still got the, the yeah. basics here in Australia. Mm. That's how investors think these mm. days. Um, otherwise, if you don't go into those environments, they're going to try and if you're not presenting something new, a new a new uh, initiative. Even if you just said, "Look, I'm going to do another flavour," or I build up to this stage. Would you like to invest in the business and just you know hang out with me here in Australia? They'll they'll say yes, but they'll screw you because mm. you got to get them into FOMO if you're missing out. Mm. Type thing. Um, they're going to think shit. He's going to China. He's got it nailed. He's going to China. If I don't invest now, I mean they'll still play around with the pricing. But if I don't invest now, I could miss out on China. Yeah. If you, whereas if you just say you know, well, maybe I'll go to China next year, the year after. But look, here's the business. This is what it looks like. I'm in Woolworths. I may go to Coles. I'm in IGA, etc. Um, Foodworks. Um, they'll ju- they'll think to themselves, you're trying to create a liquidity event. 
Mm. For yourself, ah, uh, yeah, sure, okay. And they're not gonna, they're not gonna uh, look. They don't want you. Normally, they don't want you taking money out of the joint. And if you, and if you say, "Oh, I'm not gonna take the money out of the place, invest it into the business," they're gonna say, "But what are you gonna spend the money? What are you gonna do with the money? Yeah, just make your life more comfortable." <laughs> they're not interested in that. They, if they, 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 they sort of understand it. But what they'll do is they say, "Okay, on that basis, I'll discount the value of your business. I'll give, if you say it's worth a million, I reckon it's worth five hundred thousand. Mm. They'll arm wrestle you. You've got to say." No, the money I'm raising is for a specific purpose and this is how I'm going to spend it and this is the new initiative that I'm going to take. And, you know, to me, China is – or Asia is the sexiest proposition. Mm. It makes sense. 98% of people are lactose intolerant, blah, 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 blah. There are no other products. This is Australian-made at least. You know, we're going to promote it as being Australian-made. Australian-made is very popular in these environments. Not only that, you might actually attract a, an Asian investor. Yeah. Who yeah. understands the marketplace. I just don't I, – I just think the investors are getting a lot of people coming to them at the moment. You know, they're, they're everywhere. Everyone's coming to investors for visa, venture capital, right? Yeah. Um, but the ones who – the ones who have been the most successful are actually the ones who can prove that they're going to spend the money on something new, actually a venture. Yeah. As opposed to you've got a business now um, – uh, there's no, there's no, nothing compelling me to invest in it other, other than I get it cheap. Mm. It's like going to a t-shirt shop and you already got twenty t-shirts and you see some new t-shirts are similar to what you already got. You think, ah, oh, if they're, they're too expensive, I'm not going to buy them. But if they're twenty bucks a t-shirt, so I might as well have a couple, <laughs> you know. But if you, if, but if you go and see something totally new that you've never seen before and no one else has got it, and it's a sort of a new, it's a new thing, I will pay through the nose for that. So. I think that's how you got to approach investors and you've got to get yourself some really good who can actually take you around and actually do the investor laps, you know, take to mm. the right right investors. Um, you know, there's all these families down in Melbourne and all these investors here in Sydney. I'm not joking. There's a queue. It's like sort of turn up to a nightclub. There's a massive queue of people just stand there pitching. Yeah. And they're all got the same story. So you need to know like you did before, like you did with your own product, what's different about my product? And – it's not so much the – I don't mean lactose and free. I mean, what's different about product? Where is he – where is Alex Houseman going to take this product to? Australia's not a big enough market mm. if you're looking for investors without getting screwed. Yeah. That's my view. Um, the market's very, very um, sanguine at the moment about investing. They're very careful how they invest and unless they can get it cheap – like that television show, which I won't mention, is on Channel Ten, which I can't stand. Um, it's about trying to get you as cheap as possible. Yeah, yeah. And, and and that's pretty much the VC marketplace here at the moment. At the moment, but if you sort of said China, and I've got, and by the way, I've got a contract, or I'm in negotiations with someone to supply, mm. that will get that will get them interested. That's totally different to whatever what are, what are the other things they're all seeing. Brilliant. China, China, look. You got one point four billion people or something, and you know, in the middle class, you know, the game you come with all the stats, the metrics. Here's the middle class. The middle class in China is growing. The middle class in India is growing. What do middle class people do? You know, they look for ways to spoil themselves. What do middle class people do? They have more choices. Um, what do middle class people do in in places like Asia? They try to do what Western people do. They try to copy us because they think that that's the benchmark. We are the benchmark. Um, 
uh, what is it they what is it in China they love? They love Australian products. What is it they love about Australian products? Well, everything's all that stuff is in here. You know, it's uh, you know quality assurance, etc. You know, m- maybe the coconuts come from another place, but the quality assurance in terms of the way things put together and packaged mm. and sealed and pure, etc., etc., etc. There's a million things in there why, which why Chinese might buy it, and it's a massive market, and it's what you you said earlier. It's sc- totally scalable, and you know how to manufacture. You have the manufacturing capacity. Mm. And you and you have the distribution ability, so you've got all the runs on the board. You just got to raise the right amount of money to go down that venture, down that path. That's what I think, and that's what I'll be doing. Brilliant. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. <laughs>